Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hi there, it's Gina Gardner here, and as usual for our genuine chats, I'm joined by my really good friend, Rachel Davidson. Both of us are international best-selling authors, and neither of us are short of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But our theme this morning is, is silence golden? Yeah. And we've just been talking about two quotes which seem to be at odds with one another. One <laughs> is that the only thing uh, for evil to succeed is for good men to remain silent. Mm -hmm. And the other is... Better to be silent and thought of as foolish than to open your mouth and confirm it. And <laughs> at surface level, these things both seem to be diametrically opposed, but I don't think they are. Mm -hmm. And there have been a number of conversations that have come up this week where um, people have talked about biting their tongue, um, or they've talked about the fact that they felt impelled to say something. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be quite a good theme. To, to explore because I think there are times when it is absolutely right to say something and other times when you know what keeping quiet is the better option mm. but how do you know which is which there's the rub and I always think of the clever retort afterwards know, it's always after the event yeah. when it, I would have had the perfect correction or this that and the other of somebody who's been a bit snotty or whatever yes it's, why is it always after the event it's the universe telling you it's best to stay silent i think so mm. <laughs> I, mean, I think that we have two ears and one mouth for a very good reason and i often say when i'm training doing leadership training uh, you know we should be listening twice as much as we talk and i think that's a pretty good rule of thumb that you need to listen before you open your mouth mm. very often so I think today to explore when are the times when we should keep quiet and when are the times that we should actually absolutely speak up. Mm -hmm. And for me, the moral imperative is that it, if something um, is hurting somebody else or the environment or that we believe that it is morally wrong, then I do believe that we have um, a duty to stand up and be counted, to say, this is wrong, this should not be going wrong, and to, um, to do everything we can in our power to make sure that the right people hear that. Now, that's easy for me to say. I'm sitting in the middle of Arby, um in the UK in 2019. Mm -hmm. I'm not sitting in, in Nazi Germany uh, where if I open up my mouth and I say something that I'm putting my life in danger. Mm -hmm. And yet there were people who spoke out, even under those incredibly difficult circumstances, mm. because they felt it was right. Yeah. And that first saying, if, you know, the only thing uh, for evil to win is for good men to stay silent, mm. I think is never more true 
in times of incredible tension and danger, mm. uh, when people stand by and let awful things happen mm. without saying anything. Yeah, I mean, I was watching a film about the uh, Holocaust the other day, actually, mm. and one of the uh, the lines is, uh, it's a typical sort of concentration camp film where they're showing the processing of the Jews, that awful phrase of processing where you know what that means. But one of the Germans, who isn't actually a soldier, but he is German, he is sort of slightly mocking the Jews. Well, yeah, he is, because he says to one character, they're just like cattle. And the Jew, who's in the concentration camp at the moment, so he's under great duress. I mean, you know, he's not got any power in, in any real sense. Sort of is like, what, what do you mean? And he says, you, you never object. You know, there are five guards, or albeit with guns, but five guards and like thousands of you. And you're all just shuffling the way that you're told because these five men in uniform with guns tell you. And you never speak up. And you never speak out about it. You never do anything. You're just like cattle going off to slaughter. And of course they were. But, but you see, it sounds like a very unfair accusation to make to somebody who is in a very um, dangerous position that you should speak up, you should speak out. But it's, it raises the point, doesn't it, that human beings, we, we tend not to go against the flow of the herd. We, we tend to respect authority, we get it drummed into us. And if the majority of the, the crowd is just going with it, then you will find that you will too. None of us are immune to that. And given the circumstances that where do they run to, you know, that somebody's pointing a gun at you, that's the ultimate control, isn't it? Mm. That in that moment, looking for other options is pretty well closed down to you because that flight or fright mechanism kicks in. Yeah. So you've got so many things working against you, haven't you? Yeah. And I think there are times in modern day where we don't speak out because we are fearful of repercussions. But if everybody is that fearful of the repercussions, then the status quo becomes something that is immoral, wrong, and ultimately the the harm to to greater numbers can carry on. And I think... You know, going back to to Germany in the 1930s, you could understand that there were so many conditions that were put in place that that facilitated what was the most dreadful slaughter of people, and that's been repeated in in other places since then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, one of the things that I want to make very very clear from this this conversation is when we are questioning whether people could speak out, in no way are we talking about it being their fault that they were put in those situations or that what was done to them was in any way right. Quite the opposite. How is it that in the early stages of this that more people did not speak out when they had a, a, at least a reasonable idea that what was going on was wrong. But if you think it took so many chances before um, the Prime Minister of England said, this far and no further, we are now at war. But they were given chance after chance after chance. If something had been said earlier, 
and people had stood up earlier, maybe this maybe we would have had World War Two. Who knows? Uh, and that's the point, isn't it, that our human psychology is one where we recognise that to stand outside of the parent direction of, of the herd is a dangerous thing, potentially dangerous thing to do. And so it takes great bravery and courage. And that is true for the macro, the, you know, the, yeah, you, you are a Jew being herded onto a railway train, being told that you're off to, to you know, perform a useful job. And yes. you've suffered so much oppression up to that point that you are now in the mental state of you're probably thinking you're fairly powerless anyway. And it's also true of me when I sit around <laughs> and, and hear things and, and have a family dynamic going on and, and I sit and I stay silent. <laughs> you know, it's the same seed, it's the same, you know... The magnitude point. in terms of, of the, the wrong may be different, but the principle is the same. Yeah, it's the same thing inside yeah. me that, that, that makes me think, really, maybe you shouldn't say something because maybe there'll be this that comes after it and, and maybe I'm a bit fearful about that. Yes. Or, or, or maybe I don't have a right to impose my opinion on somebody. Why would I? Why would, it, why would they be interested? It's yes. the same, it comes from the same particular area. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to now sort of put it into a modern day context and mm -hmm. the context of work. And one of the things mm -hmm. that when I'm working with um, um, on leadership programs, for example, one of the biggest issues is that people are not clear about their expectations. Mm -hmm. And then when <clears throat> people do not do what they want, a very common pattern is to say nothing because you don't want to upset them or you don't want to rock the boat or you don't want to be seen to be difficult. And then you don't say anything, you don't say anything. And it gets more and more irritating. And then there's an explosion and the person goes, what, what, you've not said anything. Yeah, I've been doing this for the last umpty ump months. Mm -hmm. um, where if there have been clear expectations from the outset and then when people were not doing what was required had said, do you remember the expectation you set? That's not it. What we need from you is something different. Then you'll get a very different scenario, a very different reaction mm. that people have an, un an understanding of what's expected of them when they're meeting it and when they're not. And all sorts of difficulty and stress and, and problems are, are um, avoided. Mm -hmm. But people think if I say something that I'll upset people or I, I will be unpopular or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's much more about how, when and what you say rather than when you say nothing. Mm -hmm. In the same way that very often people won't say um, that they're unhappy. They expect other people to recognise the signs, mm. the huffing and the puffing and the banging about, rather than just saying, when this happens, it makes me feel this way. Mm. Or, I don't like it when you behave in that way because I'd be very grateful if you could behave in this way mm. and give that other person the opportunity. But they say nothing. They stay silent. Now, on the other hand, though people are very free with their opinion, I suppose one could argue that 
we're being very free with our opinions today, <laughs> as always. Um, but the people who will criticise, who will be judgmental, who will, mm. who will consistently think that they are right and other people are wrong. You, you always know that you're going to have, like, inverted commas, interesting conversation with somebody who will introduce themselves as, I speak as I find, or, you know, people have to take me or like, leave me, and then you think, oh, lordy. <laughs> it's interesting because you almost went into a northern accent thing. <laughs> and I'm reminded of when I was first in my northern territory. You know, <laughs> I was first the head of principal. Um, and um, I was persona non gratis with the, um, the acting deputy head because I was appointed initially as the deputy. Um, who had been told not to apply for the job because they were going to appoint a man and they appointed me and so she was very very cross as you can understand now she always used to um, be incredibly judgmental and critical which is actually one of the reasons why the then principal head said don't apply and he had not spoken out mm. and said to her I'm not uh, please don't apply because you're not going to get the job because mm. of the way in which you are interacting with people. Right. Instead, took the easy way out and said, don't apply because I'm intending appointing a man. Right. Um, yes. Those were the days when you could say those things. Huh? Yes, it was yeah. a long time ago. And um, <laughs> it wasn't illegal, or it may have been illegal, but he didn't take any notice anyway. <laughs> um, but instead of, of tackling the underlying problem, which is this is a lady who had many good points, but one of the challenges is that she talked, I'm a blunt northerner and I say what I think. Mm. Now she used that, and I'm a northerner, uh, believe it or not, elocution lessons meant that's in my accent. As am I. As I yeah. Um, <laughs> but she used that to hide behind when she was being very critical, very judgmental, actually very unkind. Mm. You know, she talked about uh, calling a spade a bloody shovel. Mm. Well, actually, she was using that um, as a, a, an opportunity because I believe that she had a, a poor sense of self-worth to make herself feel better by making other people cry. Right. And she did it very effectively. Right. Um, and nobody mm. said anything. Mm. Now... I made the decision she very early. like a bully. She does sound <laughs> like a bully because she was a bully. Uh, and I made a decision very early on in, in my career with her yeah. that if she was bullying me, I'd say nothing. However, if she was doing it to other people, then I would say. Right. Now, we, might, we could have a conversation about why I decided to say nothing oh. in terms of, of me. And part of that was... I needed to make a relationship with this person and it took me five years but I did it and in fact um, in the end she came and apologised and said thank you but it was this lady particularly as I was very inexperienced I was in tears more nights than I'd care to remember because this woman was such hard work yeah. but I felt it, my job was to protect other staff mm -hmm. and children and parents at times from her time, which was at times caustic to the point of being damaging. Mm. And I would go and I would tackle her and say, that is not acceptable. 
um, you, you know, talking in that way, behaving in that way, is not um, is not acceptable, and you will be, um, you know, there will be consequences if you carry on. What she became was more subtle about it, but just as unkind. So it was more difficult um, to, to challenge, but I was determined to challenge it. And I'm grateful to her because out of her and dealing with her, I learned a really important lesson, which is if something is wrong, you need to tackle it and you need to be very clear about tackling it. Using euphemisms like it's not very nice um, or it could be different. Um, actually don't help. And I think that's what lots of people do, is that when they do decide to speak out, they're talking in such general terms because they don't want to upset that the other person is not left very clear about what the issues are. So rather than saying, when you do this, that's unacceptable, people get left with this impression, well, they're going on a bit, but I don't really want that. Mm -hmm. And I think parents um, are past masters at this. Mm -hmm. um, and kids need to be very clear. Black and white, in terms of what's acceptable and what's not, is very often easier for people to do with and take on board mm -hmm. than you know, bosses who say that's not good enough, but don't say what they want, leave people feeling that I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, it's a very complex subject. You know, there are times when silence is absolutely golden. How many people do you know who have to have the last word and have to be right? <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody is like that at some point, aren't they? But here's what you're arguing about and how sort of, you know, entrenched and impassioned you are about it, I think. But some people create an art form out of it. Yes. And they have to be right. It's, I believe, because they feel insecure about themselves. And yes. so this need to be right, you know, in the 15 commitments of, of um, uh, conscious, leadership. conscious leadership, they talk about if you, you are always having to be right, then you are operating below the line. Yes. Um, for me, if you're an enlightened leader, um, then you know it's not about being right or wrong, unless you happen to be a pilot or a brain surgeon. You know, there yeah. are times when there are absolutes in terms yeah. of right or wrong. Yeah. But most of the time, it's opinion, isn't it? My opinion is, and why should my opinion be? any better or worse than yours. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you are if you are absolutely determined to get the last word, I would suggest that you have to ask yourself the question, why is that so important to you? Hmm. And the last word does not necessarily mean uh, verbalising a, a recognisable word. Hmm. It can be flouncing out of the room and slamming the door. Hmm. You know, yeah. that's having yeah. the, the last word too. You know, I think it's really quite important actually, especially for uh, the female of the species, to learn to be able to state assertively what is acceptable and what isn't. Because I think little girls still, even in modern times, um, are part of some social conditioning that's sort of saying, you know, it's, it's, it's not nice to get angry, it's not nice to speak up, it's, you know, you, you, 
you are praised for being yeah. uh, subservient in that sense. And um, I mean, I, I know this to be <laughs> to be true in my my um, experience of motherhood. Um, when I have had um, other parents approach me with a, an axe to grind, um, usually because my daughter and their daughter have had the usual sort of childhood spats and then the parents get involved. And I've had um, angry mothers knocking on my car door once. <laughs> no, I don't want to make it sound like it happened on a weekly basis. But, um, <laughs> And, and making an accusation against my daughter that was completely found, unfounded, completely. And um, I, I'm not great with conflict. I've been brought up in a family that hates conflict. I mean, hates conflict. So my mother was subjected to that fairly recently, actually, in her life, in that um, a particular delightful gentleman decided to approach her um, and tell her exactly what he thought of me. and and um, accused me of doing things that were unfounded and my mum took it she she nodded politely and said oh yeah, okay. Yes, okay and then reported this to me i don't blame her uh, i mean it's slightly disappointing but i don't blame her i understand why she she wasn't able to act but actually it's quite useful for me to to be on the end of that saying silent when it didn't feel so good that she'd stayed silent to when this woman knocked on my window and gave me a load of um, bull what's it about my daughter and I, I, it went through my head am I going to just sit and nod and take this and the answer was no no I'm not and I did, you know I didn't, you didn't have to get aggressive um, she was clearly sort of on the point of agitation so um, I just simply asked her a few very pointed questions about what evidence did she have and and these accusations that she was making against my daughter did was that who she was referring to when she put some particularly choice comments on social media herself? At which point she scuttled away, <laughs> saying, oh, I'm very busy now, which I leaned out the window and said, yes, I'm sure you are. <laughs> but it, it, really, it really spoke to me that I do not want my daughter hearing that accusations have been made against her and her mother didn't defend her. I'm not saying that I will defend my daughter no matter what, because I understand she's not perfect. None of us are. But, I'm, but I am very determined that if somebody comes to me and is making accusations and unfairness and unfounded, then I will not be the kind of mother who will sort of just hope that it goes away. I will stand firm and I will make sure that other people understand that it's, it's not happening. They, they cannot come and make accusations without their there being some truth in it. Of which case I'm quite happy to hear and I'm very happy to correct my daughter. And, um, and I feel that's really important for her to know that it's possible for a woman to stand and, and fight back. There was another incident where I was out walking with my mum, my two children, they were very young at the stage and, and our dogs at that. And a, a man, middle-aged man, came along with his pack of dogs and there was a bit of contretemps between the dogs. Only, only sort of dog talk, nothing, no bite, no, no blood. And he went off into one, swearing and cussing and threatening. And um, again, <laughs> I went into this very sort of, am I going to take this? You know, he's obviously picking on us because he thinks we're vulnerable. Two women out with two young children, he thinks he can just get away with that behavior. Am I going to take it? 
So once I'd secured the dog and understood that uh, you know, there was not going to be any other silliness, and he was still ranting at me, I turned around and I gave as good as I got. I then had to, having finished my tirade, turn around to my children and say, now mummy's used some naughty words there which you're not allowed to use. <laughs> They did for a very special reason. <laughs> and it frightened him off because he wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And I was aware when I was doing it that it was a risky thing to do. But there was a definite moment in, my, in, in me, without any red mist, but there was a definite moment of, no, no more. This is not happening. And I will not stand and have that said to me, have the threats about me, to me and my children made by this silly twit bombs. And if, if he comes at me, I'm going to be prepared to fight. And having made that commitment, I then followed through on it. And he did. He scuttled off and, and you know, obviously felt slightly ashamed um, with himself in the moment because of his body language and what he then further went on to say. But again, I, I'm not very proud of the fact that I had to do that because it would have been great to just have a dog walk without being accosted. But... <laughs> I am quite proud of the fact that my children didn't see me cower and scuttle away, that they saw me stand firm and shout back. And I would much rather that they learn that lesson in life than stay silent and don't say anything. I think that's, that's a really <laughs> interesting lesson. For most of us, I think one of the issues is how do you deal with, rather than um, confrontation, mm. How do you confront the issue? And for me, there is a really, there's a big difference between having to deal with a confrontation in the moment as you were then. Mm. And for most people who decide that they will not confront an issue because they don't want uh, a situation where there's confrontation. Mm. And I think that, that, that what I would say, there are times when yes, you've got to stand up and be counted and you've got to say, this is not right. Uh -huh. um, but I, you talked about the red mist didn't come. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I would always talk about don't deal with things in, when you are at the, in the height of an emotional charge that you don't have any control over. Mm -hmm. Because you're likely to say or do things that you'll regret later. Mm -hmm. You need to be in control of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because then you have the capacity to decide what am I going to say, how am I going to say it, how am I going to present myself? Mm. And I would always say that if you're in the work context or in the parent context, you know, if I'm, where, get yourself under control before you start um, dealing with confronting the issue because mm. otherwise it does become confrontational. Mm. You sparked something for that guy where he did see the redness and My he was did. out of control. Yeah, he was. And for many people, <laughs> it doesn't take much. You know, yeah. you light the, the blue touch paper and you stand back and there's this great big to-do. Yeah. Um, learning to manage, to take radical responsibility for your own emotional state, yeah. I think is incredibly important. Yeah. Because then when you do choose to say something, you are... The, you have the capacity to choose what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, when you're going to say it. Oh. If you do it when you haven't got control of yourself emotionally, then the chances are you are you, there's going to be this torrent that comes out of your mouth rather than like um, with that guy. 
that is neither appropriate nor measured. Um, and actually, that's when lots of damage is done. But in the, in the samurai world, that I'm going to mangle it, they have a concept of um, training hard, understanding the reality of what it is to be in battle and to yes. fight with skill. And they do that with the single purpose of never having to do it. Because, yes. And you see this in the natural world um, with animals um, who uh, have a, a dance like um, of threats towards one another. Yes. It, is, it is in the standing firm and having the energy of warrior yeah. when needed that will often even stop the whole thing. Even Absolutely. Happening. It comes from self-confidence, doesn't it? It yeah. comes from this sense of, I am a, I am a, a sentient being who have the capacity to fight, um, but I choose not to. I choose to to show myself being assertive, but I don't need to be aggressive. Yeah, and just to sort of the, the other point about that samurai <laughs> mindset is that they have a resolute acceptance of death. Yes. So, so everybody. I mean, yet yeah, you hear that phrase and you think, oh, that sounds awful. But in actual fact, it's extremely liberating. Because I say freedom, isn't it? If you're not <laughs> frightened of dying, then you have absolute freedom to live every moment of your life to the full. Yes, and also the, the your opponent, we are talking about conflicts, um, your opponent will understand that you know, if you have resolute acceptance of death and they don't, if they haven't done that work on themselves, then you are always going to win because, yes. because there's nothing they can do that will threaten no. your, your, your stance, your position. But if we took that into a, into a much uh, less extreme situation, mm -hmm. if you are not frightened of getting it wrong, mm -hmm. if, you, you know, if you're not in this place where I have to not only be right but seem to be right, mm -hmm. and it's okay to not know, it's okay to say, oh, you know what, I don't know. Yeah. Then you have the freedom to be curious and to go and find out mm -hmm. and to give yourself a much different opportunity to learn, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So we're running out of time. And what I would like to say to you, if you're watching this, have a think about how often you feel the need to say something when in reality it's not adding anything. And how often do you fail to say something because you are frightened of being seen to not fit in, to, um, to, um, that you don't want to upset the apple cart, that you're prepared to go along with things. And we live in a world at the moment where I think we're on the cusp. There are too many people who are not standing up and saying enough. You look at the fires in Brazil at the moment, you look at the posturing that's going on with politicians all around the world. And you know, the, the populace very often think, well, what can I do? I, I, there's only me. But actually, if a lot of me's join together and have a, you know, a voices joins, then we do have the power. And I think it's really important that in this time in our history that we stand up for those things that we absolutely believe are right so long as those are not harming other people uh, because I don't want to give free reign to fundamentalists who think I'm right therefore it's okay to, um, to, to damage anybody. That is not what I'm saying at all. I try not to say I call a spader. <laughs> it doesn't make you sound right. No it doesn't. <laughs>
So thank you very much for joining us today. As always, we really appreciate that. Please do go to um, the Facebook Genuine You group and you know, leave your comments and let us know what you think. Or go to the website, which is um, https uh, colon forward slash forward slash genuinely hyphen you.com um, and you can leave your comments there. Um, and we would love to know the sort of things that you find difficult to speak about and when you feel um, that you have spoken, perhaps you would rather you hadn't. But also if there are any themes that you'd like to cover um, in, in future conversations. Now, both of us use words a lot. We speak a lot and we write a lot. Uh, <laughs> you'll find the point of, of him and the truth of me. The point of me and the truth <laughs> of her, sorry, uh, Rachel's two novels, they're on Amazon and also on my website. You'll find all my books, including the latest um, Happiness Seven Day Challenge, um, including a, a 30 day journal. You'll find that on the website and Thriving Not Surviving the Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment. So we'll see you next time. Take care, be safe, lots of love. Bye bye. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years, of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled, and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-u.com today to find out more.